Well, welcome to the Speaking For Him podcast. It wouldn't be Friday without a brand new episode, and I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Well, Adam, here we are rolling through September, which is kind of a great way to look at it, especially since today's podcast is titled Rolling Through Life. And um, I don't know if I had mentioned this on the air on this podcast or not, but I, um, but I have mentioned to others and to Adam off the air uh, that I had the privilege a few months ago of watching the movie Me Before You, um, which is a love story, essentially, about a man in a wheelchair who falls for one of his caregivers. And then um, it's a really good story about people with disabilities and people without disabilities uh, relating and having relationships. It doesn't really capture the Christian worldview, um, but I am encouraging mature audiences, and by that I mean probably 15 or 16 on up, to watch the film with caution because I think that it brings up some issues that need to be discussed. Um, I know Adam, I don't know how, I, well, let me just ask you this candid question. Before you met me and started hanging out with me, um, before our friendship began, did you really have much exposure to people in wheelchairs? My mom has one friend whose husband was in a car accident when they were about five years into marriage. I was probably about two or three. And I remember going over there to visit, and he uh, was in a wheelchair. And you're actually a lot more functional than he is. He can't even move anything from the neck down. So I remember that a little bit. Um, otherwise, not a lot of experience. Uh, because I find that that is real, really true. One of the unique things for my siblings growing up was I remember times where I, I don't necessarily remember, but my mom mentions times and perhaps that's why I quote unquote remember it that my brothers would sometimes go places with me in public, especially the two I think that were um, right below me in the birth order would go places with me in public and they would look at other families and they would say, where is that family's wheelchair? Mm. Cause they just assumed that everybody had one person in their family that had a wheelchair because that was their perception because they had a brother in a wheelchair and so they expected other people to have the same scenario. But the interesting thing that I discovered through a lot of my friends in the disabled community is that they were either the oldest of two, possibly three, or they would be the youngest if it was a little bigger family. But I was very unique in the fact that I, despite having a disability, and, and in many ways, a pretty profound one. I'm the oldest of 12 children. Um, you know, so if my parents weren't nuts enough for having 12 children, <laughs> uh, there were certain people that thought they were even more nuts for having 11 more children after having me with a profound disability. Um, so, the, but the reason I bring all this up is because watching that movie really persuaded me that that there needs to be discussions on these issues i blogged about uh, some of the issues related to living with a disability um a while back and so i'm going to use those blog posts kind of as a basis for a series that we're going to start called rolling through life and we're going to talk very candidly about some of the issues related to living with a disability because i really do hear stories about people that choose to end their life when they are put in places where they have debilitating or terminal uh, 
type diseases. And I really want people to know that there is hope even when you are profoundly disabled. And, and I know this is kind of a spoiler alert, but I'm just going to say it anyway. The decision that is made by the man in a wheelchair in this movie, me before you is a decision, um, that was similar to the decision that was made by a young lady whose uh, story prompted me to start my blogs all those years ago, where he decided that he loved being around her, the character in the movie, and it was a good life if they were to be together, but it wasn't fair to her for him to stay alive. And so he opted to go to a place where he could legally end his life through assisted suicide. Mm. And to me, that's sad. And what's more sad about it is even though this was based on a novel, there are real situations like that. And so we're actually going to listen to a video interview that Johnny Erickson Tata did a couple years ago talking about one such real life instance. And then we're going to dig into uh, some of the stuff that we will be discussing through this series. And like all the series that we do, it's not necessarily going to be consecutive episodes because when interview opportunities come up um, and when different regular segments that we have come up, those will kind of disrupt the flow of the series. But hopefully when the series is over, um, we can make it available to you. Um, definitely on the website and potentially also on CD if you want a copy. Um, and Adam, before we play the video, why don't you give us our quote of the day? Perspective is everything when you are experiencing the challenges of life. That comes from Johnny Erickson Tata. And Johnny Erickson Tata, for those that don't know, when she was 17 in 1967, she dove into the water on Chesapeake Bay and she broke her neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. And for the first, you know, I don't know, year and a half or two years, maybe a little longer, she was very bitter. She said, God, why did you do this to me? And then God showed a renewed purpose, and she became an author, um, a radio host, and the uh, the leader of a huge organization called Johnny and Friends that does camps for people with disabilities and also does Wheels for the World, which is a worldwide outreach that brings refurbished wheelchairs overseas. So she's done a lot with the platform that God has given her in her wheelchair. And she actually calls her paralysis, her suffering, one of her greatest gifts. How's that for perspective? Mm. So we're going to hear from her about a case of a lady by the name of Brittany Maynard that came to headlines a couple of years ago. A 29-year-old woman is choosing the day she dies. Brittany Maynard was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer shortly after she was married. After learning her prognosis, she and her family moved to Oregon, one of five states where assisted suicide is legal. The newlywed says she wants to, quote, die with dignity and will take a pill November 1st to end her life. The newlywed story is getting national attention online and through social media with folks on both sides of the issue weighing in, telling her it's the right thing to do or begging her not to take her life and pray for a miracle. And here to discuss the debate is Johnny Erickson Tata from Johnny and Friends. Welcome, Johnny. Good to be with you, Mark. First of all, what do you think about this story? Well, my heart goes out to Brittany. Honestly, it does. 
Um, but I would pray that before she swallows that prescription, which she's already filled, I would tell her about how the love of Jesus has sustained me through 47 years of suffering and quadriplegia, chronic pain, and a recent battle against cancer. And I would tell her that the saddest thing of all would be for her to wake up on the other side of her tombstone and only to face a grim existence without joy, without peace, without life, without God. That, that would be the real tragedy of this whole um, situation. It sure would be. Well, I understand you wrote a letter, an open letter to Brittany. Has she responded to you? Tell us about the letter and if she has responded. Well, she hasn't responded, and bless her heart, I'm sure she's receiving a lot of media attention. I frankly did not expect her to respond to me personally. But the reason I wrote that letter was to not so much influence Brittany, although I hope it does, but to influence the untold thousands of others who now feel that physician-assisted suicide could very well be an option for them. I wrote it mainly to help people understand that one is not better off dead than disabled. Um, I think the most challenging thing about this uh, case is that it poses such a risk to people with disabilities. I'm thinking of people with multiple sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease or even muscular dystrophy. Who is to say when... Uh, those disabilities should be classified as, quote, terminal. And, and also, I think that some people with disabilities may be subtly steered toward assisted suicide by their insurance company or pressured by their family. Not every family um, who faces serious illnesses are as extraordinarily supportive as Brittany's are. My concern is about the abuse. If we legalize physician-assisted suicide beyond the five states where it's already legal. Brittany says she doesn't want her family to see her suffer. Why should she rethink her decision, Johnny? She should rethink her decision because when people suffer, it forces them to think about the larger questions of life. What is this all about? What is my meaning? What is my purpose? It also can forge a unique kind of family unity. People in a family discover resources about themselves, both emotional and spiritual and physical, that they never even knew were there before. And so suffering, although it is a terrible thing, and believe me, I'm a quadriplegic. I raise my right hand. I say, Lord Jesus, uh, suffering is not easy. Nevertheless, one is not better off dead than disabled. You can learn some experiences and some incredibly valuable lessons about suffering um, by facing it head on with courage. And that's what I'm encouraging Brittany to do. Now, you've battled a severe injury and cancer. Did you ever battle with thoughts of ending your life? Oh, of course. When I was first injured, I would wrench my head back and forth on the pillow, hoping to break my neck up at some higher level, and so thereby to end my life that way. I was so despairing of life. I did not want to face life uh, without use of my hands or, or use of my legs in this wheelchair. And had there been um, a physician-assisted suicide law around back then, perhaps I would have campaigned to, um, to uh, be a candidate for a, a lethal prescription. But my problem wasn't my disability. My problem was clinical depression. And that can be cured. That can be treated. So I'm very grateful for Christian friends and family members who encouraged me to look beyond my despair. And eventually, I adapted very well. 
Um, and Mark, and one more thing. I, I think Brittany's situation underscores how we all need to work harder on improving hospice care, on improving new drug therapies. Um, there, are, there, are, there are good drug therapies available for people who are facing end-of-life pain. So let's concentrate our resources and invest our research dollars in providing better drug therapies for people in the future so that they don't have to turn to physician-assisted suicide. If Brittany sees this interview, Johnny, do you have a message for her? Well, I would certainly identify with her. Believe me, living as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair with chronic pain, there are many times I think, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be a burden to my family. I don't want to suffer. But God is the only one who retains the right to decide when we're born and when we're dying. And Romans chapter 14, verse 7 says, No one lives to himself alone or dies to himself alone. My choice to face life with courage and to even face suffering with courage has an incredible impact on people around me. And I believe that if Brittany could face her final days with the same kind of courage, that would have an extraordinary impact, not only on her family, but everybody around this nation. All right, wonderful. Johnny Erickson Tata, thank you so much for your time and your inspirational words. We really appreciate it. God bless you, friends, too. You, too. All right. Well, I just wanted to use that video as a way of starting our conversation. And Johnny brought up enough uh, material to fill out a podcast just in that video. But before I comment, Adam, do you have any thoughts about what you just heard? Oh, boy. Um, that is really heavy. And it's interesting because, A, I, I've heard of that show before, Johnny and Friends. I didn't realize that she was a, a paraplegic herself, so that's very interesting. To to hear from one what daily life is for her is very mind-opening because, you know, you obviously see someone in, in a chair and you think, okay, well, life is obviously different for them. It's not per se bad, but it, it could be different. It's harder. But then you hear the in-depth stuff, like especially the comments about, oh, she tried to like break her neck at night because she was so distraught. You know, I think we look at the physical ailments of what uh, people who are d disabled are going through, but we don't think about the emotional or spiritual things they're going through. So that is, is super mind-opening. And then you open up this whole door of, of assisted suicide, and that's, that's horrifying. You, you, you want to you like go out and save as many as you can, you know? Well, I, I, I think that brings up a really good point. Someone once said that what a society permits, it often later requires. And and I think that, that that is kind of a slippery slope that you go down when you start to entertain this idea of physician-assisted suicide. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, in the piece, there are five states right now that have it as law, that you can uh, get a physician to help you kill yourself. And a lot of times people see that, well, that's just their right. They see it in a bubble. But it's not in a bubble because I know of a particular situation in Oregon, which is one of those states where a lady got breast cancer and her insurance told her that they would pay for her to commit suicide, but they wouldn't pay for her cancer treatment. Ugh. So this is, this is the slippery slope that we're asking to go down when we say that, that, physician-assisted suicide is 
is all right. We're asking for euthanasia to be next, which means the involuntary slaughter of the disabled mm-hmm. or the less than, you know. And the, the the scary thing about it is we're all disabled. If you really want to get technical, we all have things that we don't do well. We all have things that we need help from others on. Some of, some of us, like myself, uh, need it in more obvious ways. And I will tell you, uh, through the course of this series, some pretty uh, tough uh, details about that. I have to commend Adam on his willingness to help me a lot during the course of our friendship. There are times when, um, in very practical ways, he would have been somewhat justified to run the other way because there have been times when I needed help in unconventional ways, which we don't need to detail right now. But I really do appreciate, Adam, that it doesn't phase you, that it didn't phase you. And if it phased you inside, you didn't let it show, and we worked through. See, the the very first thing I want to get out there is I realize that my life is different than somebody who walks every day. I realize that it requires sacrifice on the part of family and friends uh, to get me where I'm going. I can't get here to the studio unless somebody drives me. I can't... Um, use the facilities unless somebody helps me with that. I, you know, I can't uh, eat unless somebody puts food in front of me because I can't cook on the stove. You know, I can't do those things. But I also have found that for those friends and family that have been willing to go the extra mile and help me, it has deepened our relationship to a level that I don't think it would have been had it just been the surface level, oh, you don't need that much help so I can be your friend. It's kind of like, are you just a fair weather friend um, who disappears when someone really needs you? Or are you a real friend that's going to be there when they really do need you? And I I need to make sure myself that I'm not a fair weather friend, that I'm there for the people that are in my life. But, but when it comes to a physical limitation like mine, it gives a very practical, physical, tangible way for people to show that they're true friends. And I really do appreciate that, that I have several true friends in my life. So I just wanted to get out that out there on the, on the front end of this. I eventually would like to do a detailed review of the movie me before you. Um, so maybe they'll put it on Netflix, um, uh, toward the end of the series. Cause that's probably what will be our wrap up. We'll do a review of the movie or perhaps I will uh, get out the DVD and have you watch it one way or another so we can review it. And also, I'd be interested to know if there's anyone out there in our audience who would like uh, to watch it um, as well and bring another perspective. Maybe you have a physical disability and you'd like to talk about it from your perspective. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not endorsing the message of the movie, but I think the mess- the movie brings out some topics that are not discussed enough uh, in the realm of interpersonal relationships between the able-bodied and those who are in wheelchairs. And another thing I like to bring up is I do not want this to happen to anyone, but any one of you listening could get in a car accident and join me in a wheelchair at any time. So it's something that would behoove all of us to understand. So some of the areas we're going to deal with in the coming episodes are how my being in a wheelchair has affected my schooling, um, how it's affected my employment opportunities, 
how it's affected my relationships, um, both both platonic friendships and my pursuit of romance and a wife, and then um, personal care and and some of the stuff that I kind of alluded to uh, with with Adam and other people that are in my life. So we're going to kind of unpack all this as we go through this series, and I hope that you will join us. And if, like I said, if anybody has any contributions to make, if they want to join us here in the studio or if they want to be patched in by phone, we'd love to have other people in on, on this discussion. In my mind, um, the more the merrier for each of these discussions because that will just uh, give more scope for discussion. And if you want to make any comments on this issue, either uh, on the blog that is assigned to this podcast, um, which is, as I said earlier, called Rolling Through Life, or if you want to leave a voicemail, or if you want to comment on the Speaking For Him Facebook page about this podcast and your thoughts on it, any number of ways you can contact us and um, and uh, be involved in that way. So I just think this is an important series. I know it's taken me a while to to be this vulnerable with you. Um, I do try to bring a lot of my personal uh, self to this podcast without getting too overly invested personally, but I think it's important that people hear about some of these aspects in my struggles, and hopefully it will help you to realize that we are actually pretty normal people, uh, those of us who are happen to ride around in a wheelchair. And... and um, we might even talk about a blog post that I did about 10 things that you should never say to someone in a wheelchair, <laughs> except when I, I actually rewrote a podcast or a blog post that somebody else did with that title, but I actually put in parentheses or maybe you should, because I think most of the ones that she was offended by, I actually understand and I think are good discussion starters. So that may come in as well on one of these podcasts. So stay tuned for this series. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. And if you know someone who could benefit from this information, either because they are disabled or they know someone who's disabled, please share this podcast. That's how it gets known. That's how we can know how to help more people. Um, But until next time, keep serving the best of masters and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.